Hey everyone, just a little note about this mini-episode of Movie Schmovie. The full episode for this week, episode 101, was recorded before the untimely passing of Philip Seymour Hoffman, and therefore we were unable to include our thoughts about the man and his work. So, in order to fill in that gap, we've put together this little mini-episode 100.5 to pay our respects and express what it means to us to lose an immense talent like this. I would start mine uh, with the one of the moments where he really kind of came on the scene as a as a force, um, and in the mid to late, mid mid or mid late nineties, early two thousands, you saw him in a lot of films that was more of a supporting role and uh, a background actor, whatever. But in Boogie Nights, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights, um, playing the role of Scotty, um, a boom operator who was in love with Mark Wahlberg's Dirk Diggler, it was. Uh, the Corvette scene after he kind of gets denied uh, by him at the party, um, it really not only serves as, a tw- as like one of the turning points of the film where you start to see that all this glitz and glam is kind of starting to fizzle out. He, he really gives us the first scene of failure. Um, and, you know, his, his moment in the car and the Corvette afterwards, um, after he's kind of turned down by, by Dirk, and just keeps screaming over and over again, I'm a fucking idiot. It just is a, a powerful scene, um, kind of marked the the arrival of somebody who who was more than just a supporting actor who would eventually, you know, kind of have his day in, in the sun. Idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. They were not always easily digestible performances. I mean, he's a very powerful and very talented actor, but there was also something that he was willing to tap into uh, that was the ugliness and the vulnerability of a character. And it always felt like that guy had, had something inside him that made him so magnetic so that even when he was, you know, as frequently people will point out the best thing about a bad movie, there was always something extremely memorable about him. Um, one of the early roles where I really recognized just how brilliant he was with his comic abilities was as the uh, unctuous assistant to the character The Big Lebowski in the film The Big Lebowski. He played Brant. And there's a great scene where he's he's showing uh, the dude played by Jeff Bridges around Jeff Lebowski's mansion. These are uh, oh, those are Mr. Lebowski's children. Yeah, different so mothers, to speak. huh? No, they're not. Racially, he's pretty cool. <laughs> they're not literally his children. They're the little Lebowski urban achievers, inner city children of promise, but without the necessary means for a necessary means for a higher education. So Mr. Lebowski is committed to sending all of them to college. Excuse oh, me. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, far out. I think he's got room for one more. One, uh... Oh! <laughs> you never went to college. Please, that... Oh, yeah, don't yeah, he was like in it. Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous, which is, is serves as one of my favorite movies um, of Cameron Crowe's, but I mean of, of all time. I don't know where it would rank, but it, it's a film about music and uh, art and journalism and understanding how it all works and and as as lester um kind of uh serving as as more of a a mentor for um the main character he he kind of has a scene where there's a a a late night call um where lester kind of gives uh (laughs) his level of advice 
for his protege, and he talks about looks and not being the cool guy and everything, and also how important it is to be smart. He talks about what matters in life and and and, and the idea of it's be, it's okay to not be cool. See, friendship is the booze they feed you. As they want you to get drunk and feeling like you belong. Well, it was fun. Because they make you feel cool. And hey, I met you. You are not cool. I know. Even when I thought I was, I knew I wasn't. Right, because we are uncool. Now, while women will always be a problem for guys like us, most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. And they get the girls. But we're smarter. Yeah, I can really see that now. Yeah, because great art is about you know, guilt and longing and, you know, love disguises sex and sex disguises love. Hey, let's face it. Yeah, you got a big head start. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. So it's been a rough couple of days for me, just because you know uh, one of my favorite actors died. You know, and I won't see him in anything new, new. You know what I mean? Just things that have been in development and stuff like that. Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of my favorite actors. Uh, two of my favorite movies that really made me notice him were The Talented Mr. Ripley and Punch Drunk Love. Uh, kind of two really dark movies uh, where he stood out as a person that I, I thought was incredible. To explain one of your employees, that girl who I was just speaking with, has been threatening me, and four blonde gentlemen just attacked me and smashed my car and hurt my girl. All right, go fuck yourself. That shit has nothing to do with me. All right, I run a legitimate business here. Listen to me. What's your name, sir? Answer me! What's your name, asshole? I'm Barry Egan! How do I know? You could be anybody, You're a bad head. person. You have no right taking people's confidence in your service. You understand me, sir? You're sick. No, no, no. Shut up! Shut the fuck up! You have up. no right to take people's Shut trust. up! Will you shut up? Shut up! Shut, 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 shut up! Shut up! Now! Are you threatening me, dick? Why don't you... You go fuck yourself! Oi! Fuck! Did you just say go fuck myself? Yes, I did. That wasn't good! You were dead! If you're looking at a fruitful relationship that Hoffman had with a director, it would definitely be P.T. Anderson. When he played Phil Parma, the... The, the, the very compassionate hospice nurse to Jason Robards' character in Magnolia. When I saw him in that film, it was after a string of seeing him play characters like the one he played in, in Happiness, and like Scotty in Boogie Nights. The fact that these characters were not easy to love, and that they were so self-defeating, I think that when he played Phil Parma, he kind of erased all that, and it was great to see him do a 180 and, and, and play a, a, you know, a gentle, sort of lovable, character whose whose damaged quality was not his primary trait i know this sounds silly and i know that i might sound ridiculous like this is the, the scene of the movie where the guy's trying to get a hold of the long lost son you know but this is that scene 
this is that scene. And I think they have those scenes in movies because they're true, you know, because they really happen. And you gotta believe me, this is really happening. I mean, I can give you my number and you can go check with whoever you gotta check with and call me back, but do not leave me hanging on this. All right, please. I'm just, please. See, see, this is the, the scene of the movie where you helped me out. Most people know Philip Seymour Hoffman from is probably his, his film <clears throat> Capote, in which he plays Truman Capote, the title character, in which he's almost in virtually every scene of the film. There's not much to say about this movie that hasn't already been said, but <clears throat> just completely selling himself as Truman Capote, um, the ego, the, the, the way he spoke, um, his relationship with, with his research subject. I mean, a, a movie that, that earned him an Oscar. Thank you greatly, sir. Thank you. And you're welcome. Um, it's an honor to have you with us, sir, and I uh, hope you won't mind me saying, but I thought your last book was even better than the first. Mm, thank you. Uh, just when you think they've gotten as good as they can get. Thank you very much. Ma'am. You're pathetic. What? You paid him to say that. You paid him to say that. How did you know? Just when you think they've gotten as good as they can get. I thought that was a good line. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was too much? <laughs> he didn't have traditional actor good looks. You know what I mean? And, and it wasn't like he was an ugly guy. It's just that he he had a look that felt more real to me. He had a feel about his acting that felt more real. It's like pain was really there, and he, he was pulling it from a real place. And often the actors that are like that are the most conflicted, the most, you know, at odds with whatever profession they're in. You know, artists, artists take on a lot to become amazing people. Without rambling, um, a couple smaller films that I thought he was really great in was Spike Lee's 25th Hour um, as kind of the, the moral center of, uh, of the friends group that Edward Norton's kind of uh, surrounds himself with um, before he goes off to prison. And also in 2007's uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, he plays the one brother Andy um, with Ethan Hawke and Marissa Tomei. Uh, this was Sidney Lamette's last film, but just being... The brother who is uh, narcissistic and greedy and you just kind of immediately get at the beginning of the film the way this character is going to affect every single thing that happens from that point after because of his greed and because of his narcissism, even with how it pertains to him and his brother's plan to steal from their parents. Um, again, just a quick snapshot of my thoughts on Philip Seymour Hoffman, an incredible actor, um, would be greatly missed. Uh, in moments like this, we can only really kind of look back and, and, and focus on the great. And with him, there really wasn't a whole lot of good. It was all pretty great. Well, there are so many great performances that we don't have time to mention, but I do want to talk about one more, and that is uh, Lancaster Dodd from Paul Thomas Anderson's 2012 film, The Master. Now, in that film, Hoffman as Dodd is the charismatic cult leader 
at the center of the story who is so accustomed to manipulating and charming and beguiling everyone he comes into contact with that when he meets this man, Freddie Quell, played by Joaquin Phoenix, who he can't quite figure out, he begins to suspect that Freddie is manipulating or, or charming him. And it starts this back and forth that at times resembles uh, a brotherly affection and at times uh, has a father-son dynamic and at other times is antagonistic or, or competitive. But at the end of the film, when their friendship has definitely run its course and they can't really be in each other's lives anymore, they're facing off across a desk in Lancaster's office. And, <laughs> and they make the strange, beautiful, ambiguous choice to have Lancaster Dodd sing a love song to Freddie Quell which, as weird as it is, I found to be very powerful, and it was just the emotional catharsis that I needed at the end of this movie. Melting your heart of stone I want to get you On a slow boat to China all to myself alone rough 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 um i'm sad to hear it and um <sighs> rest in peace man you will be missed thanks guys 